Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of We Healthy. And we are wrapping up March, which is National Lymphedema Awareness Month. So last week, we talked about the different forms of lymphedema or the causes of lymphedema. And I promised that I would go over how we can prevent it. What I'm going to do today is just touch on, I I believe we can prevent all stage two, stage three lymphedema. So when you look at the progression of lymphedema, there are four stages, technically. There is stage zero when it's subclinical, meaning you don't feel or see or can measure swelling in the limb uh, with a tape measure. Okay, keep that in mind. Then stage one is when you can actually measure lymphedema. You can measure swelling with a tape measure and you have some symptoms of heaviness, or um, fullness, and we can reduce it with elevation, like the simple techniques. So it's re- it's called reversible lymphedema. Then stage two is when we start to see some changes within the tissue. So there's something called pitting edema, which is when the swelling has been sitting there for some time. So when you press your thumb into the tissue, it leaves a thumbprint, similar to like if you were to press into a pile of Play-Doh, okay? That's called pitting edema. And I don't like the way they term it. They, they, they term that stage, stage two, as irreversible lymphedema. But all lymphedema is reversible. Um, meaning with the proper treatment, this is when you need and require complete decongestive therapy, which includes manual lymph drainage and compression bandaging and some exercises and skincare. And once you're, once you reverse the lymphedema with treatment and get to your smallest size, that's when we fit you with compression garments that you need to typically wear 24 hours a day when you're in stage two. And this, well, let me go to stage three. So then, then stage three is uh, called lymphatic elephantiasis. So I don't like that term either because uh, elephantiasis just sounds scary, but stage three lymphedema is when now Uh, you've progressed to the point where your skin starts to harden. So it's not just pitting, it's called fibrotic. So it gets harder and your skin can actually go through a ton of different changes. Uh, I've seen the most severe patient I had with stage three elephantiasis had like a moss growing on the skin. Uh, You can get things called papillomas, which are like little bubbles on the skin. You can get lymphorrhea, which is like weeping of lymph fluid through the skin because it can't get through the pipes. It can't get through the plumbing. So it just creates these fistulas out to the the skin, which can create all sorts of skin issues and infections and et cetera, et cetera. So when I started my career 20 years ago, I saw mainly stage two and stage three because doctors were diagnosing it sending them to me and I treated it. And even that person with the mossy papillomas, it was amazing how much, now she needed much more intensive, long lasting CDT. So weeks and months of daily therapy, 
But remember, lymphedema is just an accumulation of lymph fluid in that space underneath the skin. So over the years, I've seen more and more stage zero and stage one lymphedema. And this is what got me really excited because as I said last last, uh, episode, we are all at risk for lymphedema. And the top two causes that I've seen over 20 years are cancer-related lymphedema, and we now have a machine called the SOZO, or the technology is called bioimpedance, and it's a technology that scans your limbs with a very low-level current, so you don't feel it, but it goes through the space where swelling sits. So if we have a cancer patient, any cancer patient that's had radiation or lymph node removal, we want to be seen, we want to see this person uh, once every three months for the first two years after your cancer diagnosis. Why? Because we, with that machine, we can detect when you're in stage zero and approaching stage one lymphedema. Because it's such such a sensitive test, it's going to detect changes in that space before you feel or you um, before you feel or so when we look at the low level current that's going through that space, it's going to show a steady increase every three months, and that is when we can implement more tools and we stop it in its tracks and it never progresses to stage one, stage two, or stage three. Because let's review, you don't just wake up one morning and have stage three lymphedema. It's progressive. It's typically slow in progression. So we have all of this time to stop it in its tracks. But 20 years ago, when we didn't have this technology, um, We didn't know until you were already in stage one or two, and maybe you're going for a follow-up at your oncologist and you noticed a little swelling. I've actually had so many patients come to me after the doctor would say, well, let's just watch and wait, or let's put ice on it. And it's because we have so, we did have so little education in medical school and in physical therapy school on the lymphatic system and on lymphedema. But today, This is 2023. There's no excuse. We just need to create awareness and share this information. And it's my job as a therapist to create this in the community. This is what I love doing. I love creating awareness because I know every person who's listening right now knows someone who has had cancer. And if they've had treatment and they are in New Jersey, I would love to see them once every three months for the first two years after their diagnosis, after their treatment, because 80% of people who do develop lymphedema after cancer, it's within the first two years. So does that mean if you have a, um, a friend or a family member or yourself, uh, if you're out of the two years, it's not worthwhile. No, it's, it's worthwhile to get a scan. Uh, so that's one way we can prevent one of the major causes of lymphedema is by being aware that there's a machine that can reduce the incidence. Now there is a really great study. Most studies show breast cancer related lymphedema occurs in 35 to 44% of patients who have lymph node dissection and radiation together. 
Uh, and we can, with these, with the surveillance model, which is what the every three months for two years protocol is, we can reduce that to 4%. Let's just let that sink in. 38 or 35 to 44% of breast cancer patients will develop lymphedema, but we can reduce that to 4% by seeing a lymphedema therapist who has a surveillance program four times a year. Now, beyond the SOZO, I love educating patients on posture, on exercises, on how to, how to promote good lymphatic flow. So you can even reduce your risks to, to even further down with essential oils, with manual lymph drainage or dry brushing. Uh, we can get you that prophylactic sleeve or, or stocking for the flights because every cancer patient who's had that type of surgery should be using a lightweight compression garment when you're flying. So isn't that empowering? That is so empowering to me. And over 20 years, I've offered this for free. I had free screening days because the doctors would say to me, well, I'm not referring them to you because it's not covered by insurance. Well, my response to that is that's, that should be the patient's choice. And I've learned that myself over the years. I don't like when people pay out of pocket to come see me, but I am not to judge who will value or has the ability to come see me without presenting that information, right? So the next thing was that, that, you know, once, once insurance started covering the um, initial evaluation for a patient who doesn't yet have lymphedema, but is sent to a physical therapist to have a consultation, the next barrier was, well, they're going through so much at that time. They've got chemo, they've got radiation, they've got all these appointments. And I've interviewed so many of my patients who have stage through stage two, stage three, and even people have gone through the surveillance model and we've actually prevented their lymphedema because we watched it rise and we implemented um, a, a very basic protocol and then it never uh, got out of the range into stage two and stage three. And all of those patients said, I wish my doctor told me to come. Yes, it might've taken me a little bit to get organized and get in to see you, but the fact that they didn't know causes such emotional trauma because now when you're in stage two and stage three, it is definitely reversible, but now it's a big lifestyle change. You have to make... Um, you have to make a commitment to wear compression for the rest of your life. I'm going to add to that uh, the past 10 years, as I've been doing functional medicine uh, and using, you know, a lifestyle approach with my patients, I've also seen patients reverse some of their compression uh, because they're making root uh, health changes that allow their triggers for the lymphedema to be worse. Uh, to be lowered. So let's just take, for example, inflammation. If you've got a poor diet or you have a lot of toxins in your environment or you're highly stressed and you're not controlling your daily stress, that contributes to how bad or how much lymphedema you have uh, and how hard it is to control. So when you start to take those away, your lymphatic system starts to love you again. And I've seen people remove nighttime compression. So they're only using a compression garment during the day. So do you see where let's start to shift our mindset into how can we improve this chronic condition? How can we prevent 
this lifelong condition in someone who we know is at risk. So that's the number one is, is cancer-related lymphedema. The other one is uh, flebo lymphedema, and that is lymphedema typically in the legs, um, both legs, because of long-term vein disease. So, and it doesn't have to be varicose veins or spider veins. I'll give you an example. I have very mild venous insufficiency that I've somewhat reversed myself. Of course, I scan myself on my Sozo device for the last three to four years. And I noticed as I'm getting healthier, when I have my cycle every month, I used to have diagnosable lymphedema in my left leg. It would go out of the norm. Why? Because during a woman's cycle, we are typically more inflamed. Um, our hormones are causing some extracellular fluid, and that puts more pressure or strain on the lymphatic system. I would have never known it unless I scanned myself. And it was consistent. Now that I've made more and more lifestyle changes, I don't get that at all. I'm, I'm very normalized in how my legs um, uh, are managing. And the reason I have venous insufficiency is two reasons, two pregnancies and with C-sections. And I had a massive amount of swelling in both pregnancies, more in my first, because I was less, I wasn't as healthy as I was during my second pregnancy. Um, but I had a lot of swelling, which put a pressure on my, not only my venous system, but my lymphatic system. And while I was pregnant, I chose to wear maternity pantyhose. And I remember going to my gynecologist and saying, you know, I have swelling and she didn't, she looked at it and she says, yeah. And I don't really present myself as a lymphedema therapist. I want to know what their recommendations were. And there was no mention of compression. So then I brought it up and she said, yeah, you could do that. And again, I gave pamphlets on what, you know, so they could put it in their offices because to me, yes, not every pregnant woman is going to wear a compression knee high or a thigh high, or even a maternity pantyhose. That was a lot for me to put on, but here I was a lymphedema therapist, knowing that this was going to put me at risk throughout my life to develop later lymphedema. I was going to do whatever possible to support myself and support my health. So I like educating my friends, my family, anybody who wants to listen that while you're going through your pregnancy, yes, swelling is normal, but it's, I mean, it's common. I'm sorry. Yes. Swelling is common, but it's not normal. We, we can support it with things like elevation, oils, dry brushing, compression, um, and of course that's, we can talk about that as an individual basis with your doctor, but the conversation needs to be had. So in, in that practice, when I gave the pamphlets, they never put them in the office. I looked at it. And back then that was 15 years ago. I wasn't as confident. I just thought, well, maybe it's just me, but through the years I've seen this, and this is just a little dent in my can, meaning every dent that you put in your can contributes to what the outcome is, is a little leak in the can. You know, if you keep uh, denting the can, eventually the aluminum is going to break. So for me, I knew that I had swelling. And even now, uh, 15 years, 10 years after my last pregnancy, I am wearing compression knee highs, just support socks, uh, through the winter months, because I want to support my venous system 
for as many months out of the year to prevent things in the future. I'm not really sure what I'll have. Uh, will I have a, a knee replacement? Will I have an injury? Will I have cancer? I don't know that. But if I can improve my venous system and not allow my legs to swell at the end of the day, even though when I wake up in the morning, they're back to normal, that's a strain. And I plan to live a very long time. Remember, 150 years old. So I got to protect these veins. (laughs) So I want you to think about that. Think about people who have phlebolymphedema are people who either have it could be coming from multiple pregnancies. Then it comes from obesity. So if you are overweight, you are putting a tremendous amount of pressure on your deep veins. So if you are overweight, you likely have some venous insufficiency or swelling, mild swelling at the end of the day. One way you can tell is when you take your socks off, if you've got a big indent there. And then when you elevate your legs in the morning, everything's fine. Phlebolymphedema occurs from months and decades, years and decades of that occurring because the lymphatic system, although separate from the venous system, it kicks in like a sump pump every day. So if you're accumulating fluid in that space, the lymphatic system works extra hard that day and, and evening to get rid of the fluid. Now that gravity is not part of the equation. So when you do that day after day, month after month, year after year, it then develops a lymphatic problem. So those two main causes are the major reasons why I treat lymphedema. So how can we prevent phlebolymphedema? We can understand and be aware that we have swelling in the legs. If we do, can we support it with a regular support sock? And I highly recommend everyone is different. So please seek out a trained lymphedema therapist in your area. It doesn't matter how mild. I love treating people who have mild swelling because we can reverse it with simple tools. But then you want to look with phlebolymphedema. Can you lose weight? Can you lower systemic inflammation, getting your blood sugars under control, your hormones under control, your liver function, your lymphatic function? How can you improve it? Well, this podcast is just giving you the surface level of all those different um, uh, ways that you can change your lifestyle, but a deeper dive with a functional medicine practitioner like myself or a functional doctor or practitioner in your area can really deep dive into your individual health. Check your, your genetic test, look into your individual lifestyle and see what surfaces Uh, for you and how you can change that within a comfortable plan. So I don't want people to think, oh, I've tried diets. I've tried eliminating this. Lifestyle changes are typically not eliminating. It's just adjusting. It's modifying. It's becoming aware of things that on a daily basis are causing you harm and uh, seeking to either remove them if they're toxins or just changing them up if it's food choices. You know, so you never want to think of lifestyle changes as uh, as difficult. Uh, if they are, we need to look at your um, emotional and, and your spiritual health. Because when you have a purpose, and when you have a why, and when you have awareness and education, it's easier, much easier to make changes within your daily lifestyle. It, it's 
much more challenging when you are trying to take action, when you have no awareness as to why you need to take those steps. And you also don't have a purpose. You haven't figured out your why. You haven't figured out what ignites you to make those changes because willpower is just not going to sustain it. You need to have a true purpose and why. So I hope this helps to um, just make people aware that our bodies are all individual, yes, but just by understanding your risk factors for developing lymphedema, or maybe it's your friend or your family member has swelling, there's so much hope and there's so much uh, that we can do in order to reverse it quickly so that you can feel better with conventional lymphedema therapy, right? Conventional um, CDT or complete decongestive therapy. But then there's also some foundational work, some functional medicine, looking at all your, your lifestyle, areas of lifestyle, including nutrition and supplementation and stress management and sleep. All of these things have an impact on how your body is responding on a daily basis. So when you have that education and you have that awareness, you can now create your own assessment. Do I have swelling, even if it's mild? Am I at risk for swelling? And if so, seek out assistance, seek out empowerment. Go to a practitioner that's gonna give you hope and is going to give you a much better feel for why this is happening to your body so that you can make the appropriate action steps. Thanks for joining me this week. Happy National Lymphedema Awareness Month. I love spreading education and awareness about this disorder, but also not even just the disorder, but how your lymphatic system is so important in every person's life. I'll see you next week.